This is the Road Trekking Podcast with your host, Jimmy James. It's a show about my trip from Ontario to British Columbia in a vintage 92 camper van. And I invite you to come along for the ride. Welcome to episode one, Peterborough to Thunder Bay. Let's start with the trip log. So, current location, Thunder Bay, Ontario. GPS coordinates, uh, no idea. Total kilometers traveled, 1,448, with approximately $515 spent on fuel and $800 spent in repairs, which I'll get to later. So, I started out with the intention of making it from Peterborough to Sault Ste. Marie in one day. Now, normally, I wouldn't make my drive this long. This is about a seven or eight hour drive, but... The plan is at this point to meet up with my fishing partner and we will fish some of the lakes uh, north of Thunder Bay for about a week and he'll head back to uh, Peterborough area and I'm going to continue on. Now, I'm driving the van, of course, and he's driving his truck with the boat. So I set out on an incredibly hot day. Um, The temperature was about 31 degrees Celsius. It was sweltering, and I'm thankful that I recharged the air conditioning in the van because it's kind of working. So that was good. Um, It's interesting, when you leave southern Ontario, uh, the drive isn't particularly good. Most of it uh, consists of driving up a highway with about 100 kilometer speed limit. Uh, There are some nice views of sheer rocks on either side that they've blasted uh, to make room for the road. But for the most part, it's pretty much a straight shot until you get to Sudbury. Now, just south of Sudbury, I started having problems with the van. Now, I noticed that when I would push on the accelerator and the van would downshift, I'd actually start to slow down. And I had no idea uh, what could be causing this. So I reached out to um, some people on a Facebook group uh, who deal with uh, road track camper vans and Dodge vans. And the consensus seemed to be that um, there's probably something wrong with uh, the amount of fuel that's getting to the engine. Made sense to me. I mean, every engine has to have uh, air, fuel, and spark. Uh, I know I've got good spark, I know I've got good air, so it must be something to do with the fuel. I pulled over on the side of the road, uh, about 20 kilometers south of Sudbury, Ontario, in a empty truck way station, uh, turned the van off, opened up the hood and took a look around. Uh, I didn't see anything, you know, going, uh, you know, anything under there like a bird's nest that could be blocking the air intake or anything like that, so that looked good. Um... And then I decided, okay, I should listen to the fuel pump. So I went to start the van. Click, nothing. Uh, the van wouldn't start. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I, this is the first time I've shut the van off since I left my house. And now it won't even start. So, um, the only thing I can think maybe is that there's like a loose connection to the battery or something like that. So I pulled out my tools. I took the battery connections apart, made sure they were good and clean, put them on good and tight, tightened everything up, um, went in, turned the key, room. The van starts up. Okay, thank goodness. I'm on my way. However, I did notice that the fuel pump 
was making a really loud noise. Like instead of it just kind of being like a low, like, like running, it was screaming like, you know, and I thought, okay, so there must be a problem with the fuel pump. I'm going to need to get a new fuel pump. I can pick one up in Sault Ste. Marie. So I continued along, um, made a left in Sudbury onto Highway 17, which I believe is the Trans-Canada Highway, and uh, continued on my way to Sault Ste. Marie. Now, once you pass Sudbury, the scenery starts to change. You start to see uh, more evergreen trees. Um, the highway is smaller. The speed limit on the highway is reduced to 90 kilometers an hour. And um, you start to drive through uh, some really scenic country, crossing rivers and bridges, little towns. It's, it's really quite a beautiful drive. And you're actually going along the north shore of Lake Superior. Um, there are some excellent views as you do that. And uh, I, I was quite astounded at how beautiful um, the scenery was as I went. Now, nonetheless, I carried on for the whole day. Uh, normally, as I said earlier, I wouldn't be trying to push myself so hard, but I wanted to make sure that I could meet my fishing partner who had decided to leave a day early. Um, and he also took a different route. He took the northern route up Highway 11. Um, the only problem with that for me is because, as you know, if you've listened to episode zero, um, I've had so many problems with the van and I've done so much work on it. I don't really feel comfortable in driving uh, through a mostly wilderness terrain at this time. So I thought it was best to take the um, route along the North Shore of Lake Superior where there are more populated towns. And that was lucky because I started having trouble with the fuel pump. When I got to Sault Ste. Marie, um, I found a spot for the night at the casino who allows uh, campers to park there. And um, I started to make some phone calls. So I called the local uh, you know, parts stores, Napa, uh, some other parts stores, Canadian Tire, um, basically anything that anybody could recommend or I could find on the internet that sold auto parts. Well, a fuel pump uh, it was not available for this van for at least, uh, a week. So I thought, Oh, Oh my gosh, right. I'm going to be out of luck. Um, but then I remembered that Sault Ste. Marie, and it's quite a unique town in this respect. There are two sides to Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, one is on the Canadian side of the border and one is on the U S side of the border. So I started calling, uh, auto parts stores in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and the first store I called AutoZone, yep, no problem. Uh, we can order the part. We'll have it for you tomorrow morning, first thing. So I thought, okay, perfect. That's great. So step one, taken care of. Uh, I'll just run across the border, pick up the part, and I'll be on my way. I can find a mechanic. You know, the van is still running. I'm just getting this weird loss of power intermittently. Um, I'll find a mechanic somewhere along the road that can basically put the fuel pump in for me. So everything is good. Um, that evening, I started to do some research on what's required across the border. So we're, uh, we're in 2022. We're sort of over the hump of COVID, but there are still some border restrictions. And from listening to the news, I understood that those restrictions have pretty much been lifted and there is no problem crossing the border. Well, I was wrong. I tried to interpret the information on the Government of Canada's website, which is basically like trying to read a legal document that has been translated from a foreign language. 
It's confusing, it's circular, and it basically makes no sense. But when I got to a certain webpage, they gave me a phone number, call border services, and they can give you more information. So I called. Interesting thing. Apparently, the rules for cross-border travel are different than that for people arriving by air. Um, by cross-border, I mean uh, just going across, across in a car. And that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. Um, what they did explain to me was that because of my vaccination status, I am vaccinated, but not under the, uh, don't fall under the category of fully vaccinated in Canada. What I would be required to do is, uh, you know, when I return to Canada, I would have to come to Canada uh, with a test um, showing a negative for COVID-19. And then because I don't meet their requirements, um, irrespective of that, I would have to go into a 14-day quarantine period. And at that time, um, I will have to be in a location where I have access to nobody else. I have arrangements for food. Um, and uh, I will have to complete two tests, one on my, another one on my first day of return and another one on day eight. And if those two tests are negative, I can, you know, stop quarantining. If uh, one of those tests turn positive, um, then basically I would have to reset and start my quarantine again. Now, <clears throat> this sounds um, overly uh, complicated and not really fair, but nonetheless, I was sort of willing to do it. I was thinking, well, I can quarantine in the van. That's basically what I'm doing anyway. Um, not a big deal. I can spend, you know, two weeks uh, alone up in the bush fishing, and that would constitute a quarantine. Border Services Canada also informed me that uh, despite the fact that I would only be across the border for an hour or so, this negative uh, COVID test would have to be obtained in the country that I'm coming from. So I'd have to get it in the U.S. So I started calling uh, pharmacies, any place that I thought would be able to do a test, and was basically informed that in America, COVID isn't a thing anymore. And they're not doing these tests. You can't obtain one. Um, it has to be an official, uh, according to Border Canada, it has to be uh, like an officially witnessed test. So like a pharmacist would have to give you like a printout. Yes, we did a rapid test and these are the results. Another interesting thing about this is that if I was to come across with a positive test as a Canadian citizen, I would still be admitted to Canada and I would have to do the exact same quarantine requirements. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what, maybe if I show up to the border without a test, it's not going to make any difference because the result would be the same. I still have to go into quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. So I download uh, this app, which is mandatory for crossing the border in Canada. I believe it's called Arrive Can and started to fill out the forms. Well, I got to a section in this app where it told me if I don't arrive uh, with a valid COVID test, then the penalty for me could be, I believe it was up to $75,000. Uh, I could be denied entrance into my country, which I don't understand because I'm a Canadian citizen, and uh, up to two years in prison. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm not willing to take this chance. So 
um, I thought, you know, perhaps there's somebody who would be willing to cross the border for me. So where I was parked in the casino parking lot, um, there were some other people who were camping and traveling through. And I went around and asked, hey, would you, somebody be willing to cross the border for me? And I quickly learned that um, nobody is crossing the border. Um, most Canadians don't want to use this app. Um, most Canadians think that, that it's unfair. They're not willing to cross the border for the sake of uh, jumping through all these hoops. Um, and they're not doing it. I called over to the AutoZone in America and asked, you know, would there be somebody over there willing to come over? And apparently the restrictions are even more stringent for them to get to Canada. I was told that uh, Canada doesn't accept their uh, vaccination card, um, that something has to be done digitally and it has to be 24 hours in advance. And basically I wouldn't be able to find anybody from the state side to bring something over for me. So uh, now I'm in a conundrum. I'm sitting on the back of the van. Uh, I've got a little box there that holds a spare can of gas and my little generator. Sitting there having a coffee, trying to think, you know, could I call like a taxi company or a delivery service? You know, would there be something I'm willing to pay because I, I'm going on a large journey and I know this fuel pump doesn't sound right. Whether or not that's causing my power loss problem doesn't matter. Um, I noticed before that the fuel pump was loud, but uh, I, I didn't realize or know um, that it was going to continue to get worse. And on this really hot day, like I said, I could hear this thing screaming. So I need the fuel pump. So as I'm sitting there having a cup of coffee, uh, three older gentlemen pull up in a car and I see they're unloading golf bags um, from, you know, one of the cars into the other. And I, you know, inquire, hey guys, do you know, uh, do you have any grandchildren or sons and daughters that might be willing to go across the border and pick up a part for me and bring it back? I explained I'm unable to cross the border uh, without a huge hassle. And if you guys could help me, that would be great. One of the gentlemen uh, introduced himself as Jerry and uh, told me that they were actually going across the border because uh, golf memberships are much cheaper on the American side than they are on the Canadian, and they would be returning that afternoon. So after we had a bit of a discussion, um, at which point I learned that his friends call him Honest Jerry, uh, apparently, which is weird because um, anybody who's ever said, trust me, you know, normally means like probably don't trust them. And anybody who says, you know, my name is Honest so-and-so, um, Maybe they're not that honest, but I was desperate and willing to take a chance. And they seemed like nice enough guys. So um, I told them I just need to get a fuel pump picked up from AutoZone. Uh, I'll prepay it on my credit card. And yeah, if you could pick it up, that would be great. And he agreed. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I felt pretty happy about that, that at least I had a, a somebody who was able to get this part to me. Um, considering, yeah, they're not available anywhere in Canada for some time. So they, we exchanged numbers. They left to do their golfing for the day. And uh, I spent uh, some of the afternoon touring around Sault Ste. Marie and um, some of it trying to arrange a mechanic in my next stop, which would be Thunder Bay, 
um, to do the work for me. Now, luckily, I called a mechanic and the mechanic said, yes, we can get you in tomorrow. Um, change the fuel pump, not a big deal. Uh, you know, easy peasy. So I was really happy. I felt like I had really lucked out. And uh, yeah, so that was great. Uh, a couple of things that I did when I was in Sault Ste. Marie, I did take a drive around the town. It's a cute little town. Um, I ate at a little restaurant that exclusively served all day breakfast, but it was very fancy and it was really good. Um, I'm not going to necessarily give any names or anything like that, but it, it was really quite nice. And I took a walk around what they call the Sault Ste. Marie sculpture park. Now this is interesting. Um, <laughs> the sculpture park from what I noticed walking around, it basically consisted of like three or four sculptures and each of them were just made out of twisted metal. Like one was literally just a bunch of girders that are welded together in a, you know, haphazard fashion, no plaque, no explanation. Um, I've never seen a sculpture park like that. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but, uh, you know, perhaps they still have some work to do. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I walked around by the waterfront. I saw uh, actually a cruise ship coming in and docking on the U.S. side, which was interesting. I have no idea. Sault Ste. Marie is a small town, both on the American side and the Canadian side. So I don't know what a cruise ship would be doing there, but that's interesting. And uh, various freighters and stuff like that coming and going. Now, um, I waited for the afternoon and sure enough, Honest Jerry came with the part um, I gave him some money for gas and for the duty and, uh, I got the part and I was on my way. And you know what? That is terrific. At this point, it was about three in the afternoon. So I decided I should head out immediately as Thunder Bay is about a seven, eight hour drive. So I headed out. And this part of the, of the drive is much more scenic. Now you're basically cutting along the Northern shore of Lake Superior, uh, to your left, you get these views of this, you know, azure water, um, you know, almost, uh, like teal in color, like you would see down in the Caribbean and to your right, uh, you know, pine trees, deciduous trees, uh, kind of a mixture. And you're driving through these hills up and down left and right, uh, almost like you're going through, and I think you are going through ancient mountains that have been worn down, uh, over the millennia. And, uh, and just keep driving and driving and driving. Now, something interesting I notice, and you, you cross a number of rivers, actually, as you're going along the way. Now, I just want to make a point about uh, the naming of rivers as you cross this area. It occurs to me, uh, first of all, there's a lot of rivers. So, um, you know, many of them have conventional names. You cross the Spanish river, you cross the French river. Uh, I think I crossed like an O'Reilly, uh, just rivers that seemed like they were named after families, uh, stuff like that. But then I almost felt like they were running out of names. Like I crossed a river, um, which was called old lady river. Uh, I, it, it looked nice. I mean, the old lady who I guess owned or lived on the river at one point picked a good one. Um, and then I passed another one called dead horse Creek. Like, well, why would you name, like, 
you know, most names are rooted in something. Like, did somebody find a dead horse in this creek at some point? And like, if so, it's not much of a selling feature for anybody that would want to stop there. So I just continued on my way. And the other thing is, you know, naming on signs and slogans, that's, that's interesting too. I, I passed a sign for a motel and it said, our motel is clean, clean, clean. Now, first of all, if, if the slogan for any motel was, our motel is clean, I would be a little bit leery. You know, it's like people saying, trust me, like, why do you have to tell me your motel is clean? Like all motels should be clean. But when a motel says that it's clean, 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 I'm like, what does that even mean? Is it like, is it like antiseptically clean? Is it like a clean room? Like what is in this motel? Or probably it's just a really crappy motel. And uh, <laughs> the only thing they have going for them is maybe that they clean the rooms well. I, I'm not really sure about that. Nonetheless, I continued along to Thunder Bay and just enjoyed these absolutely stunning views. Um, gas stations at a certain point get few and far between. In fact, I remember passing one saying there'll be no more fuel for at least 150 kilometers. Um, I still had quite a bit, so I carried on and it seemed like well more than 150 kilometers uh, before the next gas station that looked legitimate but that was fine. I arrived in Thunder Bay sometime around 11 p.m. And I thought, you know, after my experience in Sault Ste. Marie at their little casino, that perhaps the casino in uh, Thunder Bay would be a great place to stay. Yeah, I was completely wrong. The casino in Thunder Bay is located right downtown. And uh, if you've never been to Thunder Bay, which I've never been to Thunder Bay, um, it's an interesting town to say the least. Uh, at 11 o'clock p.m. on a Thursday night, the downtown area of, uh, of this town is basically flooded with um, drunken university students, people walking with uh, open alcohol, um, bars on basically every conceivable corner um, with lines going out onto the street and maybe it's pent up demand because everything has now opened up as a result of, uh, you know, some of the restrictions from the pandemic being lifted. Um, I'm not quite sure, but also, um, a lot of homelessness problem. And I felt really bad about that, but, uh, yeah. So I, I parked the van in the casino parking lot, which was quite small, but I thought, you know, a casino parking lot is generally patrolled by security and I'm sitting in the van, just kind of gathering my thoughts and, um, a shady looking character kind of stumbles right by the front of my van. I think he put his hand on the hood. I noticed he had an open beer and uh, I'm like, okay, I'm not staying here. So I'm going to find somewhere else that I can just kind of crash for the night and head over to the mechanic shop first thing in the morning. So, you know, the other place that we know, you know, in any of these larger towns where you can always stay for free is a Walmart. And I like staying in Walmart parking lots. Um, it probably sounds kind of like a nerdy thing to do or not that exciting, but it actually works out really good when you're on the road because... Uh, you can stay there. They're generally well lit. They're generally uh, patrolled by some kind of security. 
Um, but also in the morning, you can go into the Walmart. I always try to patronize any of the uh, places that I stay for free and pick up some supplies and carry on your way. The first Walmart I went to, I just typed in, you know, closest Walmart or something on my GPS. And the first Walmart I went to, I found a spot and I could hear hooting and hollering, and, you know. And so I, I kind of take a little drive around the parking lot. And it turns out that the parking lot of this Walmart is also shared by another bar. And there's people out wandering around drinking. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this again. So. I go on my uh, GPS and I find a uh, Walmart that's in, looks like more of a suburban area. So I head over there and uh, it was much quieter. I saw a few campers parked in uh, one area of the parking lot. I sort of parked alongside them and got set up for the night. At this point, I get a call from my fishing partner who says, you know, he's um, a, a bit further north than me. Uh, and he's going to come down and make a drive down to Thunder Bay and meet me for the night. So I said, okay, yeah, sure. That's great. He told me he'd be there at about 1am. So I kind of tuck into bed and sure enough at around one or two in the morning, I get a knock on my van door and, uh, he comes in and, you know, I tell him he can just set up that there's enough room in the van here, um, that it, two people can comfortably sleep. It can actually be configured for two bunk beds in the back. Um, so I set him up for the night and, uh, you know, start to try getting back to sleep. Well, he stunk so bad of insect repellent. Uh, I had to turn on the fan. I had to open the windows. He told me that the bugs were horrendous, um, north where he was, uh, fishing and, um, you know, he was just, uh, you know, trying to get away from it for the night and, and whatnot. So no problem. Uh, we went to bed and, um, you know, I had a, a relatively good sleep, you know, in the knowledge that the next day I'd get the fuel pump replaced and be well on my way. So I've woken up early this morning, um, with some time to record this and get the van ready to bring over to the mechanics. Finger crossed, uh, fingers crossed, everything's going to work out. Um, I just want to talk uh, now about a couple of my observations uh, with the van and with driving uh, on this particular route. So, number one, um, this van is old and it has problems. I would uh, say that my lesson learned, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, in a broad sense is don't drive a really old vehicle on long trips, no matter how much work you've done on it. Of course, I can't really avoid that at this point, but uh, that would be a good thing. Number two, um, that there are nice places that you can stay for absolutely free, uh, providing that you're just planning on crashing the night and continuing along. Uh, there's no need to try to find a campground or a provincial park uh, if your camper or van is fully self-contained. Um Number two is that, uh, you know, with any older vehicle, you really have to have a good knowledge of parts availability and uh, make sure that all the bugs uh, have been worked out. Where I felt really fortunate is that I had decided to take this southern route um, across the Trans-Canada Highway and, uh, you know, you pass through some of these larger towns like Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Wawa, uh, and obviously Thunder Bay, where there are mechanic shops who are able to do work 
uh, on a vehicle for you. So I'm very thankful for that. And um, I think it's also really important to note to pay attention uh, to the vehicle as you're driving it. I mean, we get used to kind of driving down the highway for hours with a constant droll of the motor running. Um, but just, you know, taking that moment to notice like, hold on, something's not quite right with the van, pull over, take a look. Um, I think that's going to save me big, uh, in the long run because the, um, the fuel pump did not sound good and having it replaced is going to be, uh, you know, one more thing, one more, uh, stressor that's off the table. So, um, hopefully today, uh, I will have the new fuel pump in, I will be on my way north, um, going to be heading up into some of the, uh, Northern lakes around Ignis. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but Ignis and Dryden. Um, that's an area that's just surrounded by lakes that apparently have incredible fishing. So I'm looking forward to doing that and experiencing more of the sights, sound, scenery, and what Northern Ontario has to offer. Now, if you enjoy the podcast, I would ask that you like, subscribe, and hit the notification icon uh, on whatever platform you're listening to this. That helps a lot. And conversely, I can be found on Instagram at Road Trekkin. That's a road, just like a road, Trekkin, T-R-E-K-K-I-N underscore podcast. Um, and that's a great way to check out some of the uh, photos and videos that I make along my way. And also, I'd like to remind everybody to be kind to one another and Keep on road trekking. Thanks.